We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helvin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, November 23rd edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper is here with me as he is every Friday. Uh, it's the Black Friday. Did, did you buy any Black Friday stuff? Just beer. Just beer. Okay. Right. Yeah, just special release beer. The Goose Island Bourbon County Stout comes out on Black Friday. And um, there's a coffee shop near the office that actually sells beer. So I went there on my way in and lo and behold, they had some Goose Island Bourbon County Stout for me. So I bought a bottle of the regular and a bottle of the uh, vanilla variant. Is, is this a widely released thing? Because I get some Goose Islands here, but is this like uh, something I can get in Charlotte, do you think? I, I don't know if they, if they send the Bourbon County Stout outside of the Midwest. I know even like the Chicago area versus Wisconsin, you get slightly different stuff because they put the, the regular Bourbon County Stout goes in a four-year, I think it's Heaven Hill bourbon barrel. And the the variant that's like the rare one is in I want to say like twelve year barrels, so they're you know they're just more expensive and and there aren't as many barrels available. So I think some of those are only released in in Chicago. So I don't know if it makes it all the way to Charlotte. It's a good question. What's the alcohol content here? Oh, it's the low double digits at least, probably twelve plus percent. <laughs> so I'm not sitting here having three bottles of that on a Friday night. No, it's um, it comes in like a a, a pint sized bottle, like sixteen point nine ounces. You yeah. could you could drink the whole bottle in one night by yourself. You will be feeling really good. It's probably meant to be split with another person. All right, all right. Well, uh, Goose Island Bourbon County Stout Midwesterners, go check it out. All right, let's check out some football. Speaking of Chicago, the Bears 
That was that was a nice win. Before we get to the fantasy aspect of it, that's a really nice win for the Bears without Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I mean, going on the road, short week, not a lot of time for Chase Daniel to prepare. Uh, they threw it a lot more than I expected. I thought they were going to go real heavy with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen on the ground. So they did it with an unusual game plan. And I don't think any Bears receiver actually went over 50 yards through the air. But um, spreading the ball around worked really well. The defense played well. And it was kind of a, a typical Bears win um, just in a situation with the backup quarterback, which I think it's always a good indicator of a, a coach's overall acumen when a backup quarterback can come in and play mm-hmm. well, especially on on short notice like that. Yeah, I, I kind of figured when I heard that Daniel was going to play, I figured Gabriel Cohen, and they got 14 of the 28 catches. So that worked out. The other side, I believe we said Wednesday, we talked about LeGarrette Blunt when we were here Wednesday and said, look, if if they run a touchdown, I mean, we're about 90% sure it's going to be LeGarrette Blunt, And lo and behold, 88 yards and two touchdowns. It didn't, look, didn't always look pretty, but the touchdowns got it done. Yeah, the yardage totals were – I was really surprised. I mean, I knew in LeGarrette Blunt's range of outcomes, there's like a, the 1% or 2.5% chance that he, he scores twice in a game, but you kind of expect it with like 30 yards, not 80-plus. So right. he was a, a key piece. If you won a lot of money yesterday – in DFS, it was probably because you had LeGarrette Blunt going as a cheap running back or flex option. Yep. All right, the other thing, that pick six by Matthew Stafford, that was a – I mean, I kind of thought – my picks for the week, I switched to the Lions when I heard the news, and that they seemed to be looking okay until Stafford threw that just horrendous pass. Yeah, that that was sort of the the dagger in this uh, in this game, and I, I stuck with the Bears – in spread picks for the pentathlon. I think it's just, I, I believe so much more in Nagy than Matt Patricia that I, I couldn't get past that even with right. Mr. Trubisky uh, sitting this one out. All right. And, uh, and I've been telling Jake every week when we do the waiver wire podcast, we talk about who to pick up and then we talk about who to drop. And I think I've been saying drop Stafford since probably week five, just because it's, it's just not happening. Even when he has the good games, fantasy games, they're just okay. Yeah. It's not the same Stafford. They're not the slow tempo, high passing volume attack that they have been in years past and the weapons being depleted. I mean, yep. we talked about it with Golden Tate getting traded away. You lose Marvin Jones to an injury and now you don't have enough receivers to even be competitive in games that have a good secondary. So they were kind of overmatched from a personnel perspective against the Bears defense from the first snap and, and Stafford throwing that pick six was just something they couldn't afford. Yep. All right, let's go to uh, Cowboys Redskins. Cowboys win 31, 23. This game, this game turned quickly. This was, this was a, Hey, brick killed a guy with a trident quickly that it escalated. It was, uh, <laughs> it was 13, 10. And I, you know, the Redskins were, you know, Hey, Colt McCoy is getting it done. And all of a sudden it was 31, 13. It was, it was drop of a hat, like 20 minutes. It just completely turned. Yeah, three three picks from Colt McCoy were really costly. I mean, Amari Cooper hitting that long, mm-hmm. long TD, having a huge day. That's just a, a, a thing that a lot of people weren't expecting. I like the idea of fading Zeke and going with Dak and Amari Cooper. So I didn't quite have the, the home run lineup because Zeke had a good game too. But everything kind of worked for the Cowboys, kind of concentrated just on those three players. Because after Amari Cooper, there wasn't much left over for Beasley and Michael Gallup. I think Gallup actually dropped a ball that could have been a long touchdown potentially. Uh, so that was kind of a, a tilting moment for me as somebody that went with that Dak Cooper Gallup stack. But uh, yeah, Dallas played really well. And the way the division's playing out, I mean, certainly 
it looks like the Cowboys have a good chance to win the division. I still think the Eagles are the second biggest threat to them because the Redskins are one of those teams that's so decimated by injuries. You could see them winning maybe one game the rest of the season, and it just wouldn't it wouldn't be that surprising. So you, can you tell my kids that the Giants aren't going to win out? Because I tried uh, to listen. They they don't believe you. They they're optimists about the Giants. <laughs> it's it's really it's nice, <laughs> but they're old enough that I don't encourage it anymore. I'm like, what are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. Stop it. Yeah, you got to cut their sugar intake, John. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so coming into this week, I'm looking at the rest of season projections on Rotowire, and Amari Cooper was wide receiver 27. Obviously, after what we saw yesterday, we need to revise our outlook. How much do you revise your outlook? How impressed are you? Are you are you sold? Did yesterday make you go, you know what? This trade was great for everybody. Amari Cooper is being used properly. I'm in. He's back to the, let's say, top 15 receiver I thought he was going to be. I mean, he's been targeted at least eight times in three of the four games that he's played for Dallas so far. So like, there was indication there that they were definitely making it a big priority to make him the focal point of their passing game. And the crazy good game yesterday is only going to draw people back in. I think what is most impressive about Cooper as a trade target, if you still have time to get one in before your deadline this week, is he's got matchups against the Saints, the Eagles, the Colts, not a good spot, but it could be a high-scoring game since the Colts play high tempo and, and put a lot of points on the board, and the Bucks in Week 16. So this is one of those really favorable schedules matchup-wise. Three of those four games are at home, and three of those games come against the three worst pass defenses in the league as far as what they allow to opposing wide receivers. I think that's where the appeal comes in. The concentration of targets, the lack of secondary pass catching Mm -hmm. options in Dallas and a great schedule for Amari Cooper down the stretch. I think he's probably a top 15 wide receiver for me here on out. Um, I would have been a little higher than the season projection on him going into yesterday. So it's probably not as much of a leap for me as it might be for some people who might've been lower than that projection prior to, you know, what happened on Thanksgiving. All right. The night game. Saints 31-17. So, <laughs> not as high scoring as we may have thought. Drew Brees only throws 22 passes. Four touchdowns to Dan Arnold, Tommy Lee Lewis, Austin Carr, Keith Kirkwood. Did, did it, I, I mean, I'm sure some people DFS'd some of these guys. I bet it was Carr and Kirkwood over the other two. But... Jeez, what a weird <laughs> your fantasy owner. Like, hey, Drew Brees scored four touchdowns. <laughs> Just like to no one you basically ever heard of. Yeah, a tough, tough sort of stack. It was like the, I'm going to play Brees in a tournament, but I'm going to stack him with everybody except Thomas. Like that was, that was the optimal move with the Saints, and I'm not sure how many people even tried to pull that off. Uh, I saw a pretty interesting tweet. This was last night from uh, Dean Shavelson of Roto Grinders. The Falcons and Saints have already played twice this season. They've scored 14 touchdowns, and they've gone to Kelvin Ridley four times. Drew Brees had two rushing touchdowns. Cameron Meredith had one. Tevin Coleman, Zach Line, Ted Ginn, Tommy Lee Lewis, Dan Arnold, Muhammad Sanu, and Austin Carr all scored. So in the two games, Julio, Mark Ingram, Elvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas did not score touchdowns. Man. But that's really weird. That is really weird. Um, yeah, I actually, you know, Calvin Ridley played well the first time, and I, I you know, I wound up. Yes, last night I was going, wait, why didn't I play Calvin Ridley? Actually, it made sense, and I thought about it, and I just didn't do it. So, um, anyway, in this game, the Falcons fumbled three times deep in the red zone. Like, deep, deep. A couple of times inside the five, I think. 
And they, this, this actually could have been a good game. I mean, right off the bat, Saints scored right away. Falcons answered right back, drove down inside the five, and then Matt Ryan got sack fumble. And then Julio fumbled later in the first half, and Calvin Ridley fumbled later in the game. And it was just, this could have been a game, you know? And the, and the Falcons just shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I'm mostly salty about it because of the pentathlon spread picks. I took Atlanta getting the points, thinking seven, ten points would be something they could do, keeping it within that range. With all those turnovers, clearly my process was okay, but the outcome, not what I was looking for. Uh, this is a, a strange year for Atlanta. They've really struggled to run the ball, and I think one of the takeaways here is the Saints' run defense, which has been good all year, continues to look very good. I think that's kind of one of the key matchup things you're looking at down the stretch is when flex-type running backs and RB2s go up against the Saints, are you going to actually sit them down in season-long leagues? I think that's actually something to think about. Yep. All right. Let's get to the, the – what we're going to do today is a little different than most Fridays. On on Wednesday, we ran a little long. So we're going to cover the, the – if you want to go listen to Wednesdays, we do game-by-game preview. So we're going to do the – let's say the back half of the game-by-games. If you want to see the front half, you can go to uh, our Wednesday show. Whatever games you don't hear now, you can go to our Wednesday show. But we're going to go through these games first. Check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhalpin 37 The main account is at Rotowire. Pats, Jets, uh, Gronk's back. Darnold's out. Um, so McCown's going to play. I, I mean, is this game – I'm trying to think who's that interesting in this game. Julian Edelman's a guy whose name you don't hear about much right now. And I, I feel like we don't he, – he's sort of back to what he's always been. And and this is a very subjective thing to say, but I feel like nobody's talking about him. Yeah, he's just one of those players that when he's doing what he's supposed to do, no one really seems to care. The The takeaway I have, I mean, three straight games with 10-plus targets. Like, that's – Tremendous volume opportunities for him. He's 7,000 on DraftKings. That's the site you'd like him a little more on of the two big DFS sites. And yet he does feel like a contrarian play somehow. And I think part of it's that the Patriots offense hasn't been explosive through the air uh, with touchdowns, several multiple touchdowns week in and week out. And Tom Brady's priced up as the most expensive quarterback on DraftKings. And somehow Brady Edelman or even Brady Gronk feel sneaky to me the biggest issue i have is that i don't know if the jets can do much to make it interesting but new england's one of those teams that doesn't care i mean they got embarrassed in their last game before the bye they've had extra time to stew over it and and to game plan for a banged up jets defense so i like tournament lineups especially that build around either brady and gronk brady and edelman or Brady and Josh Gordon. I think Gordon's going to be the most popular of those three pass catchers by a decent margin. If you don't like the script, if you think New England's going to run it a lot, if you're worried about Brady's health, Sony Michelle is also very affordable too. And the way they were using him before he got hurt is enough for me to say, you know what, this is an opportunity for him to get high double-digit carries again. You know, 16, 18 carries seem like a, a kind of a lock for him with the potential for a bit more as their 10-point favorites. Back to Edelman. In six games... He's had 11 red zone targets. That's so, where all of Gronk's red zone targets have been going. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much it'll change, but um, two, only two touchdowns in the six games, but, but a lot of red zone targets there. Um, also, one, just one other thing about this game. Uh, we're going to talk about one of the other players later who I like, but the Pats, there seems to be, like you said, Brady was priced up. Now, I'm, I look at this game, and I know the Jets have turned into a real dumpster fire lately. The Pats have struggled on the road. 
They they're two and three with three bad losses to the Lions, Jags, and Titans. And the two wins, well, they beat the Bears, which is a nice win. It was close. And the game against the Bills, I remember talking about with you. You know, it was it was closer than the score suggests. You know, that that's a game that the Bills were given they were giving them a hard time. Like I, I don't think this is a cakewalk for the Pats at all. I think it is only because the Jets' defense has been so banged up. I, I just think there's so many different ways the Patriots can can beat teams now that they've got Gronk back healthy, Gordon kind of fully up to speed in the Patriots' offense, and Edelman back out there as well. I think it's easy for me to convince myself that they're just about to hit their stride and, and do typical December and January Patriots things. Okay, fair enough. Seahawks-Panthers, uh, it's a good game. Good, I mean, a lot high stakes, good, good teams, a nice game. Um, Devin Funches probably out for the Panthers. So you're going to see a lot of little fast receivers for them. Doug Baldwin, I haven't heard the news today. He was limited in practice with a groin injury earlier, earlier in the week. We are recording this. I'm talking right now, 2.48 p.m. Eastern on Friday. So I haven't heard the Seattle practice news yet. Um, the, the thing that concerns me about the Panthers here, it, it, the, the way the matchup works, the Panthers have been getting hurt on the ground lately. And the Seahawks have been running the ball great. Like I, I, if I have Chris Carson, I'm feeling okay about this one. I know the Panthers could step up after two bad losses and just kind of flip the script to the way they've been playing. But this seems to be a good spot for Chris Carson. Yeah, it does. The distribution of carries in the Thursday game against the Packers last week heavily favored Carson. And that was with all three running backs available. So until he gives Brian Schottenheimer a reason to change things up, I think that's kind of the status quo. Uh, Carson seems like a solid play in season long. I don't know if I'm going to use him much in DFS, but the interesting thing is the injury to Devin Funches that you mentioned. You know, DJ Morris coming off a huge game last week. Curtis Samuel played pretty well. My lean is that everyone's going to chase DJ Moore from a daily perspective, mm-hmm. and that's going to make Curtis Samuel relatively like lower owned. So in tournaments, especially. I do like Curtis Samuel this week, especially on DraftKings, where he's only 3800 I, I wouldn't sleep. I'm not looking at the price right now. I wouldn't sleep on Jarius Wright either, just because he's not as explosive, but he plays. He, he's already been playing more snaps. You know, I mean, they, I, I know they're going to force Samuel into more work, but Jarius Wright has been sort of a, a steady-as-they-go PPR type and playing slot, and I, and I think that's, that's not a bad thing to consider either. You know, five, five, six for 75 and a touchdown is in play there. So yeah, that'd be that'd be out of nowhere, and people are not on that at all. So that's ultra low owned, like 05 percent or less. Yep. At the expense of everybody going after one of more or Samuel or even Greg Olson instead. I mean, Greg Olson. Everyone's target floor just gets bumped up a little bit without Devin Funchess out there. It's not that Funchess is such a monster that there's a lot to go around, but those mm-hmm. slight differences make each of those three guys a little more interesting to me yeah but but to to what you said dj moore after last week and with the news of this injury he is going to be a very popular guy uh, yeah the price didn't go up that much right okay um dolphins colts ryan Tannehill's back does that do anything for you right now they've got receiver injuries by the way um parker and amandola questionable i don't don't know exactly what that means it doesn't i i I don't feel like i have a, a gauge one way or the other on, on how serious those are, but does Tannehill returning do anything for you for anybody in this game? It changes Kenny Stills um, because Kenny Stills with Brock Osweiler was a ghost. He had an injury that knocked him out for a game, but in the games that we saw Brock Osweiler under center, Albert Wilson had that week where he helped somebody win the Millionaire Maker. 
and Amendola underneath got a lot of targets, but there just wasn't really anything there for Kenny Stills. He's under 4,000 on DraftKings. In the games that Ryan Tannehill has played this season, he's gotten a 20% target share twice in those five games, and he's got a 13% target share in each of those five games. So he's pretty heavily involved, whereas with Osweiler, he was kind of in that 5 to 8% range most weeks, and he kind of topped out at 10 uh, we know Stills doesn't need a lot of targets to be productive, but I think Tannehill will push the ball downfield a bit more. They're going to have to. I mean, they're going up against the team in the Colts. That's the highest implied total on the main slate. And the Colts play at a fast tempo as well. So that's going to probably leave the Dolphins in a situation where they get to run quite a few more plays than they ordinarily would want to. So I think the biggest winner with Ryan Tannehill coming back is Kenny Stills. And I absolutely like him in tournaments this week. Okay. Um, other side, uh, the other side of this one, Marlon Mack's gonna, this is a sweet spot for Marlon Mack and the price is not high. Cheap on both sites. Uh, I mean, they're favored by more than a touchdown. He should be close to 20 touches. He's had a couple of huge games in similar setups against the bills and the Raiders this year. The dolphins have allowed more than 1200 rushing yards through 10 games, third highest in the NFL, 1228 to be exact and 509 receiving yards to opposing backs, which is also in the bottom 10 league wide. So the setup is really good. Sure. Naheem Hines is going to catch some passes, but I think Marlon Mack gets you 18 plus touches really easily. I like him on both sides. I think he's actually a cash game play either as a flex, a second running back as a way of opening up some salary elsewhere. Okay. Cardinals chargers. So this game, last I checked, was a Chargers. But so the implied point total here, I don't have it in front of me. But at Chargers minus twelve and an over under of forty two and a half, it's something like fifteen for the Cardinals. Fifteen and a half, whatever. Is there any? I mean, you're probably playing DJ and 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 Fitz, but this isn't a week to reach on Christian Kirk, right? No, I mean, I don't think you have to go out of your way for Kirk. I, I think with two teams on by only, like you've got most of your season-long roster available, so you're probably not playing him there. The Chargers are, are pretty good against the pass, an 88.1 passer rating allowed this season. I think this line's a little bit wrong. I think the Cardinals are a different team now that Byron Leftwich is calling plays. They didn't keep it real close against the Chiefs. But they didn't get completely blown out either. Right. And I think the Chargers are... Uh, they're more reliable to make mistakes or to not just be completely dominant offensively in a given week. So I think Arizona actually can, with the 12 or 13 they're getting in many cases, end up being the correct spread pick. And along with that, I just think you get a a really nice spot for David Johnson. 20-plus touches seems like a lock. He's pushed his way back into cash game status again. I just think the thing about the Cardinals is that everything's kind of concentrated on Johnson and Fitzgerald again, which makes them a lot more predictable from week to week. Yep. Um, the other side of this one, the Chargers. I mean, Melvin Gordon's in a perfect spot. You know, I mean, the 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 spread, the workload, the whole bit should, should looks great. The only other one in this game, I don't like the still, other than Keenan. I don't like the other two receivers. I say every week, no Williams is because they're too their their target uh, volume is generally too low. But uh, what about Eckler? We've got him thirty first. I mean, last week he he was a little busier than he had been lately, right? I think he, he yeah six he touches, touches eight. T- okay, you know it, it, he's possible. I, I I was out on him for a few weeks because I felt like he was never getting the ball anymore for for you know, weeks nine and ten. He didn't. I'm kind of like okay in the beginning of the year I like this guy and I don't anymore. Now okay I I think I'm back in 
you know, I'm tiptoeing back in on Eckler as, as a, as a flexi type. Yeah, I still would only do it in tournaments because his workload can fluctuate a lot. Melvin Gordon popped up on the injury report with a pretty seemingly minor issue on Thursday. Uh, Gordon's going to be heavily targeted because it, with a double-digit spread, the expectation there is going to be 20-plus touches with ease and maybe multiple touchdowns as well. Eckler's a good way to get cheap exposure to the Chargers, you know, throw him in that flex spot, hope he catches a few passes, hope he breaks either a long run or takes a screen to the house and uh, it could be a difference maker at the low price, but uh, the general approach I have with the Chargers passing game would be if you want to use Rivers at a fair price, he's only 5,800, you know, pair him with Keenan Allen, you're probably better off doing that in a tournament this week than in a cash game simply because the Cardinals, even if they keep it close, are probably going to play at a slow tempo, probably not push the Chargers into a shootout scenario. So it just seems like it'd be a pretty unusual set of circumstances, maybe a couple of Chargers turnovers or something that would force Rivers to throw more than 25 or 28 times. All right, let's go to Steelers Broncos. Um, the Steelers are just, you know, they're so predictable fantasy wise. Like it's, it's hard to talk about them because the only question you ever have is the tight end. Everybody else, you know, okay. Yeah. I'm starting the four, the four main guys and I'm never thinking about sitting them. And that's that Vance McDonald in or out. Uh, in, I think Jesse James has seven targets over the last four games. During that span, McDonald has 19. I think he's kind of taken over that job. Okay. Um, other side of this, does Royce Freeman get busier? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think it's still kind of like a 55-45 or 60-40 split favoring Philip Lindsay because of the passing down work. Uh, Lindsay just looks good. And until an injury or something changes, I just think Royce Freeman is going to be a frustrating player because he's good enough to play more, but Philip Lindsay is good enough to stay on the field. Philip Lindsay, he's one of those guys, he just jumps off the screen when you watch him. He looks so fast on TV. Mm-hmm. He really does. Uh, yeah, I, I like watching him. It makes you wonder, like, what? I, I, I guess, well, he, was a, he wasn't a seventh rounder. He was a free agent, right? Yeah, I I un, undrafted free agent out of Colorado, Colorado State. One of the, hold on, I'm going to look this up because I don't want to misspeak on that. One uh, of the Colorado schools, I thought. He's, I think it was Colorado State. He was University of Colorado. Oh, okay. Um, I was wrong, even even as I tried to talk myself into knowing what I didn't know. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I, you know, you think you look back, and you see that they drafted him, or they got him, and then you go, "Oh, why did they draft Freeman in the second round?" It's easy to say later. You know, like you get the other, the second guy later. You go, "Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's good too." So let's get him. So yeah, it just worked out really. Well. I mean, that, I I think they're in a really nice spot with those two guys because Freeman's good. And he was an undrafted free agent, by the way, Lindsey. So, uh, but yeah, Freeman's good. I like him too. It's just that it's it's, an, it's a weird for for those of us, you know, people who were pegging him in the fourth, fifth round. I mean, you kind of didn't see Lindsey coming. Which I guess I guess that they built up an offensive line that was like elite, though. Like eh, Case Keenum's a limiting factor for the offense. Like they had to be the kind of team that starts scoring high twenties every week for both to be viable in the you know, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman at their peak kind of way, right? Because we can't project any other backfield to turn into Kamara and Ingram in a typical week. That's just that's unfair. Right. But maybe there is some kind of scenario next year with the right move at quarterback, with healthy and elite offensive linemen where they could both be productive week to week. But in the current form of that offense, I think Royce Freeman is going to be a really frustrating play 
now that bye weeks are almost over. Okay. Next up, Jimmy. Did McCarthy say Jimmy Graham? Packers Vikings, by the way. Jimmy Graham's going to play. Is that what he's saying now? He's going to try. I, I with a splint on his hand. He's got a broken thumb. But but okay. So early in the week, he said that he, Graham was going. He thought Graham was going to play through it, right? And we kind of went, yeah, right, whatever. Yeah, I thought that was stupid. But I thought I read today. I'm gonna. I'm looking it up right now. Jimmy Graham looked good at practice. I mean, I, I think they they think they're going to play him. This is what they they're hinting at that they're going to play him on pace to play. I'm reading a lot of stuff here. I mean, what what, what do you, I mean? I don't I don't want if I own him. I don't want him. I don't want to play him. I don't. I I don't want to play him either. And I don't know if I could tie my shoes with a broken thumb. Right. I mean, you could, even with a splint and painkillers, I don't. I, I'm pretty uncoordinated, so I guess that says more about me specifically than anything else. But I'd be really surprised if he played well in these circumstances. I think it could help the offense if Randall Cobb is back, just because Cobb can hurt teams a bit underneath. They've really kind of missed that presence for the short and intermediate passing game. I still don't know if I'm really changing my expectation for Marquez Valdez Scantling all that much, though. Okay. Uh, are the Dalvin Cook owners ever going to? Are they going to get their payoff? I know the week before last he played fine, but if you draft Dalvin Cook, you're like, come on, can I can I get the 150 yard two touchdown game? It's coming. I know it's coming with the big with the 60 yard touchdown run. It's got to be there somewhere. Is it now? It's coming. It's uh, it's it's got to be. I mean, it's weird that he's down at 3.6 yards per carry this season, but. It's only been five games. It's only been 55 carries. It's actually a really limited body of work. So I look at Delvin Cook. I see this matchup against Green Bay. It's a little easier than the one last week against the Bears. Just just a little. Uh, things open up for him. As far as some matchups that are coming up, all being potential shootouts. I mean, the game against the Packers could be one. They get the Patriots in Week 13. They get Seattle in Week 14. A little less shootout potential there. But Seattle's kind of average against the run. And two really good spots the Dolphins, and the Lions in weeks 15 and 16. So if you've survived this point with Dalvin Cook as a late first-rounder, early second-rounder on your team, things do look pretty bright as we kind of look at the schedule for these next five games. Okay, let's get to the Monday night game. Titans, Texans, uh, Mario, Marcus Mariota's status still up in the air. We're gonna have, we might be waiting all weekend um, for right now. Let's check real quick, see if he – I don't think there's any news from Titans practice yet, but – we have got. He did far more today. Threw more today than he did earlier in the week. Practiced. So okay. I still don't think I want any part of any Titans offensive players, really, for this game. Mm-mm. That's a struggle, right? The other side. Wide receiver. I just want to ask you about a little bit. So last week, I don't want to overreact to Demarius Thomas getting shut out last week, but Kiki QT. Actually, he was on the field the same amount as Thomas. I don't want to bash Thomas. I like QT. I think when he got hurt, he before he got hurt, he was he seemed to be on a path toward towards some decent volume. And now that he's back healthy, it's returned. And he's one of those guys who I, I, I think you're gonna get four or five catches a game out of, and he's gonna and, and he's gonna get quite a bit of attention from Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of going to be the the two A, and Thomas is kind of the two B. This is a great DeAndre Hopkins week, though. If you're going to play the showdown slate on Monday night, uh, loading up 
DeAndre Hopkins in the captain spot is something I would definitely think about doing. All right. And the other thing, by the way, uh, QT, did, he was limited to practice Thursday with a hamstring. Doesn't sound like anything to worry about, but you do want to keep an eye on it. All right. Let's get to the rest of our stuff that we usually do. Um, Chiefs Rams are on buys. Uh, other injuries that we haven't talked about. Uh, Joe Flacco out again. Lamar Jackson's playing. Uh, AJ Green for the Bengals. He missed practice all week. They're listing him as, I think they're listing him as questionable, but since he hasn't practiced, you're probably going to figure that he's out. Another one question about Marcel Darius tackle for the defense tackle for the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are walking into a bad spot in Buffalo. I really do. I think they're going to lose. Um, you think they're going to lose outright? Yeah, they might be. Yeah. They might be at the quit point of their season. I, I, I exactly after last week, I said this a couple times this week. I think the wind is so out of their sails after that game last week that, that I just think they're walking into a bad spot against a team that isn't good, but they play. They they kind of. They they scrap and claw, they really do. Like I I really like Sean McDermott because I I think that team is so bad and they some weeks just find ways to be competitive where you don't think they should. I continue to believe that he is a better head coach than Mike McCarthy at this well, stage. You believe that I'm a better head coach than Mike McCarthy, so that's not. You believe that Condoleezza Rice is a better head coach than Mike McCarthy, probably. Let's 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 not get totally totally crazy here. Uh, I mean, that. Right. That was a weird story. Like that, <laughs> that, I, I thought I thought Adam Schefter got hacked when that That's when I saw I that tweet. And, and the reason I thought it too, somebody had retweeted it, and ESPN's links have a bunch of strange stuff on them when you when you retweet them. Like I I don't retweet them, but I saw somebody else do it. And I thought this is odd. Did somebody hack Schefter and plant this unusual Condoleezza Rice story? And I'm all about teams trying new things and different things, but that's so far outside the box. <laughs> like it's yeah. I, I, there's no way that John Dorsey ever told anybody that was in play. Right. Totally agree. Um, yeah. You know that uncle chaps guy who, mm-hmm. who fakes out everybody with tweets. I, I, I didn't even think it was someone like him because it was too ridiculous. Like he usually catches people on fake trades and makes you think it's real. That one I didn't. I thought it was hacked and completely not real. I thought it was like the onion. Yeah, so. I, I really, I, I was looking at the rest of Schefter's timeline and trying to see if there was a pattern of just absurd right. reports in there. And there really wasn't. And then it turned out that was actually something that came out because there's, uh, I guess there's some ties between Condoleezza Rice and, and the Haslam family, right? That's yeah. the, <laughs> yeah, really, really bizarre story though. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right, let's get to uh, our usual streaming defense conversation. Uh, The Colts have gotten very popular 
Yeah, they're, well, they're up to forty three percent ownership against Miami, and it is Tannehill, which is different than Brock. So mm, that's okay. How about the Bills at thirty six percent Yahoo ownership against Blake Bortles? At yep, home? I yep. like it. I like it probably just as much as the Colts actually. Again, check Buffalo weather. We have not checked Buffalo weather today. That could be important. Sunday, 42. Eh, that's not so bad. No precipitation. Boring. No. All right. Other ones. What about this? This is one of those great matchup, terrible defense things, which has trapped me definitely a couple times this year. Bengals, 16% at home against Baker. Doable. Um, I'd rather have the Bills and the Colts, but I, I think it's at least worth thinking about. It's, it's kind of e- interesting to me that Eagles are available in 35% of Yahoo leagues. I mean, that's not low-owned, but I know they're messed up in the secondary, but do you think Eli having to drop back a little more, maybe gets sacked four or five times and stares down a receiver and he offers might. up a pick or two? That's always in play, yes. But yeah, their secondary is in such bad shape right now. I mean, I think they're down to fourth and fifth corners, something like that. It's bad. Um, the other one here, we need to remember, so Nick Mullins had the really good first game against the Raiders. The second game, he threw two picks, but he wasn't terrible against the Giants. Now he goes on the road. I know he's playing the Bucks. We need to remember that he was a practice squad quarterback who was a, a, an undrafted free agent and, and I think there are a bunch of picks in the preseason. I mean, as bad as the Bucs can be on defense, it's possible. If you're scrambling for defense here, and, and you know, your usual one is, is the, the Seahawks, but you don't like where they are this week or something like that, it's, it's possible, right? It's possible, yeah. All right, that's all you're giving me. Okay. But I, I, I actually think Nick Mullins is more likely to, to destroy the Tampa Bay defense than the Tampa Bay defense is to destroy Nick Mullins. Yeah, yeah, true, which we'll get to, and I'm playing both sides of this one because I'm, try, I'm trying to find st- streaming defense options, okay? I don't love any of them. I like the Bills. I don't really like the other two, but, you know. You're going to get middled, aren't you? Uh, I might get middled here, yes. I mean, I, you know, I'm looking at the other ones saying, well, the Packers, I don't want them, and, and the Seahawks, I don't want them. So, all right. So our position by position, you know, hey, break glass in case of emergency, guys. Lamar Jackson is still 39% owned on Yahoo. I mean, mm. come on, people. Do better. <laughs> it, it's just get the guy. I mean, if, if you have this week, I'm, I'm trying to figure out any quarterback. If, if you have Deshaun Watson starting this week against the Titans in a game with an over-under of 41, I, I get Lamar Jackson. Like he's a better play. Deshaun didn't run last week. He's not running that much anyway. The numbers haven't been there. All right? I mean, do you, we're, we're, I mean, I have Lamar Jackson higher than you do, I think. And I have him higher than most. And that's okay. Maybe, and maybe that's wrong. But he's just better. He's better than Kirk Cousins this week, right? Yeah, he's um, he's comparable to Cousins, at least. Okay. Hey, I, I don't pa- know why he's Packers, not owned. The Packers are going to look like total clowns. They again. might. Right. They their secondary when when they're missing anybody, their secondary just starts to leak like crazy. Okay, this is a big game for for Minnesota and Green Bay. Yep, it's huge. I mean, it's they're five four and one and four five and one. If the Packers lose, it's kind of done. It's done. 
Exactly right. Um, all right, I mean, I want Lamar here. The other one, to, back to what we talked about a minute ago, Mullins is 12% owned. I mean, if you're scrambling and you can't get Lamar, w- would you rather start? Okay, here's one. Mullins or Case Keenum? Mullins or Case Keenum? Mullins. Right? Yep. Agreed. Mullins or Tannehill? Mullins. Mullins or Bed Elbow Mariota? Mullins. Right. So if you're in a two quarterback league, or or if you're struggling with, you know, Mahomes or or Goff not playing, Mullins is not a terrible option. And yes, he he could get pick sixth against the Bucks because he's a rookie playing in his third start. But that might not matter. He still might put up good numbers. Mm-hmm. All right, running backs. Here, this is Slim Pickens right here because everyone got Edwards this week. He's up in 60% ownership or something. I mean, there's not a lot of good options. The only one I came up with was if you think that the, the, that the Jets are going to get beat bad by the Pats, Elijah McGuire is 13% owned on Yahoo, and he's getting the ball enough to be interesting. I've done worse. <laughs> yep. Six, ten touches, nine touches in his first two games. So yeah, I think that's that's a safe kind of floor for him right now. Right, and he might. I would think he might catch more balls, especially if they're down by two touchdowns, which I'm not sure they will be. But all right, any. I mean, there's no other running backs on the, down in the low ownership level that really. I mean, they're terrible. It's a bunch of terrible options. I mean, I if you think you got you another could, one, go for it. But you could maybe take a, a swing at, at Alfred Morris. He's under twenty percent owned, right. and Breed is going to get probably two carries to every Morris's one, plus all the passing down work. But if you're buying into San Francisco's offense, keeping pace, putting twenty five points on the board, there's a shot that Morris does like a ten for fifty in a touchdown kind of thing. Okay. Wide receiver, we talked about Christian Kirk. We're not too excited. He's 37 on. I mean, you know, this is an emergency situation. Randall Cobb might play. Does that, does that do anything for you? He's 36% on on Yahoo. I think he'd be okay like a, as like a flex if you're kind of in a pinch, but I don't know if you expect much more than that. Kind of puts him in the 35 to 40 range among wide receivers. Okay. And the last one I came up with, with Doug Baldwin iffy, David Moore at nine percent ownership, maybe kind of sorta. I think Moore is going to be on the outside a lot, though, so he's going to draw one of the two top Carolina corners. Whereas Baldwin, if he's out there, runs a lot of routes out of the slot. Yeah, I think that actually gives him the better matchup. So I'm not crazy about Moore this week. I know the targets have been kind of interesting with him, but I would probably err on the side of caution with expecting too much from him in that matchup. Okay. Um, by the way, Jim Wyatt from the Titans website that quote Mike says Mike Vrabel expects Marcus Mariota to be the Titans starting quarterback at Houston on Monday night. Yeah. Speaking of that, Johnny Smith, 19% on a tight end. Yeah, I got to play him in, in the two tight end league that I play in. Okay. Well, that's, that's about it though. I don't know if I want him anywhere else. Last week he did, he did get busier. I mean, I know it's a tough matchup for like, We're not looking at a game that's going to be 30 to 27. But John had, what, six catches last week? I and mean, we've been waiting for him. And, and uh, he finally showed a little bit after the touchdowns in, two, in the two previous weeks when he didn't get a ton of targets. And then they say after the two touchdowns, it was like, oh, hey, let's throw this guy more. And they did. And it was okay. I mean, they were, they were losing by a lot. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, 
I like Johnu Smith as a possible pickup back when Delaney Walker got hurt. And I, I've been surprised at how long it's taken them, especially given the state of their wide receiver depth, to get him involved like the way they did last week. So I'm, I'm being careful about it, expecting it to repeat, even though it's something that I thought they might do all along. All right. Um, other tight end, the only one, Chris Herndon. I mean, he's still fine. He's still okay. We're on a multi-week run of him being somewhat productive. And he's still 8% owned at a position that's brutally bad. I mean, if we look at game by game over the last, let's say, four weeks, four for 42, let's say five weeks, two for 56 and one, four for 42 and one, one for 16 and one, four for 62, three for 34. And he's getting, you know, I mean, he's getting four targets a game, but again, I mean, it's, you know, if you don't have Travis Kelsey this week, it's probably not like you got a lot of better options. Yeah, I I mean, you, you may have to, but uh, hopefully you don't. All right, hopefully you don't. Um, but with that said, I have Chris Herndon at tight end 12. That might be a little aggressive. It's a little high. He's he's a cheap DFS punt option, as uh, Scott pointed out on the Wednesday episode. Like He's under 3K on DraftKings. There's another guy I forgot that I wanted to mention. I want to see his ownership percentage because I forgot to look it up. Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle is, is, is he's the Blutarski ownership. So he, he's at 0. 0.0. He's at 0. 0.0. He's at least at zero. I don't know if it's 0. 0.0. Yeah. <laughs> there's, zero. there's some, there's some, there's some two tight end leagues out there. Where he's owned. The thing I don't like about it is that they've got three tight ends they can use in a given week. And the attempts were so low for Jackson. Yeah. It just doesn't take much for that to totally fall apart. I mean, I thought Max Williams was going to be a thing. He was inactive uh, against the Steelers a few weeks ago and doesn't seem like he has a role right now. So it's kind of like you look at Boyle and Andrews and, and Hayden Hurst. It's just a, a mess at that position right now. So so in Jackson's first game, he Boyle gets – he's on the field for 53 snaps and he goes four for 36 after not having caught you know more than two passes since week four. And you're not – I mean, I, I know it's a one-week thing. I get it. But let me see. I want to see what the snap per- the, the trends are on snap percentages at tight end for them last week because that I don't have. Um, Boyle, 67% of snaps. Hurst, 44. Andrews, 32. So, I don't know. Like I said, it's, if you're desperate. I'm, I'm more intrigued than you are. Let's say that. That's fair. All right. DFS um, values. We're going to do it a little differently this week. We're not going to build lineups. Because building lineups and reading it out to you uh, on audio, I'm sure is, it sounds riveting to us, but we kind of realized that maybe for you it was not the greatest. So, um, folks, so here we go. FanDuel first. Mullins, I'm back to Nick Mullins as a value here. I think that is, I mean, against the Bucks, we talked about how bad they are. He's 6000 on FanDuel. Again, FanDuel, the pricing isn't as, uh, is, isn't as extreme. The differences aren't, aren't as extreme on that site, but... Um, Nick Mullins at 6,000 doesn't seem too shabby. I have a tournament lineup on FanDuel with Nick Mullins stacked uh, with Kittle and Marquise Goodwin. Cool. Like it? I mean, hey, you want to you try to win a lot of money with a small entry fee? You got to do something a little different, and it frees up a ton of cash for high-end almost everything else. All right. So we're still on a fan duel at running back. Again, the, va- the value meter has the guys up at the top. Um, the guy I was looking at was, was my man, Gus Edwards. I mean, you know, I'm going to everybody, a lot of people are going to chase Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Gus Edwards, 5,300 on fan duel. 
Alex Collins, uh, I'll look while uh, you respond to this to see what the status is. He, he's been uh, limited in practice or not practicing with a foot injury. So Gus Edwards is in line to be very, very busy. He is. I think the the general approach for me, though, is to not go much lower on FanDuel than uh, Matt Breida at 6,400. I think you could look at Breida or Marlon Mack at 7,000. Use those guys either in tandem, use one as your RB2, use one maybe as your flex, depending on how aggressive you want to be otherwise. Nick Chubb, I think, is going to be very popular this week on mm-hmm. both sites. Workload's been consistent. Cincinnati's run defense is horrible. Um, so I, I think this is a, a strange week from a lineup construction standpoint. Uh, since you don't have Gurley, and you can look at some of these cheaper mid-range running backs, and you can kind of quickly talk yourself into using them because their workloads should be borderline elite for a much lower price than what the elite running backs typically cost. Okay. Um, going back to the wide receivers on FanDuel, um, speaking of Marquise Goodwin, he is... Fifty. He sorry. He's five thousand. Yeah. Too shabby. Very cheap. Cheaper on FanDuel than on DraftKings even. So that's yeah. Kind of a weird little twist and makes me even more interested in Goodwin on FanDuel than I am anywhere else. And Goodwin got busy again last week, if I remember. Let's just. I want to check the numbers real quick. Goodwin last week was four for sixty nine on five targets after having sort of a a, a, a slow stretch. So uh, maybe Mullins is, is starting to throw him the ball. Um, and that was the week before the buy, not last week, the week before, technically. Um, I mentioned Boyle. He is one of the guys that I, that I like as a value on FanDuel at tight end. The other one is going to be super-duper popular in Cameron Brait. He's 4400 I mean, that's just a crazy low price on Brait. Clearly, the price of O.J. Howard being out, it's going to be totally different once they account for it. It wasn't accounted for this week. I think in cash games, it's really hard to go away from him because that's a lot less even than similar players like CJ Uzoma, David Njoku, Jeff Hireman. Those guys are all uh, as much as $700 and up more expensive. So you almost have to just lock Braid in as a cash game free square and then decide in tournaments, do you want to be fading him completely? Do you want to be underweight? Like how, how do you rectify it in tournaments? On FanDuel, it's more difficult to ignore him even in tournaments than it is on DraftKings. And on DraftKings, the way he's priced relative to similar players, it's a lot easier to fade break there. Yep. All right. DraftKings, speaking of that, um, our value meter has Philip Rivers as the best value. Um, but as far as other values we were looking at, Nick Mullins, again, Mullins is price-wise 5400 Rivers, on the other hand, is 5,800. So it's not that quarterback-wise. You're not, you're not saving a ton by using Nick Mullins. The other guy I was going to look at because of the, the cornerback situation in Philly is Eli. He's 5,700. So the difference, again, is not that great. Which What do you do? Do you, do you spend up a quarterback here? Um, I'm more inclined to just kind of lean on like a Jameis or maybe even an Andrew Luck in cash games and then – for tournaments, maybe going down a little bit. I mean, I think Rivers in tournaments makes sense if there's some goofy scenario that causes him to air it out more than expected. He can get you multiple touchdowns, even without a lot of attempts. He's done that a few times this year. It's just risky. The price is right, so you can justify that. Going back to Mullins for a second, mm-hmm. 5400 is not dirt cheap on DraftKings, but it's it's cheap 
considering the quality of the opponent. The reason he doesn't come up high on the value meter is because our projection is not very aggressive on him. Yep. We've only got him projected for, I think, 16.6 DraftKings points. I think he's getting closer to 20. So if, if manually, like I've, I've got my own little cheat sheet over here. If I change him from 16.6 to 20 flat, you're getting him as maybe the third best value on DraftKings instead of being kind of a, a non-value type. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to is your projection of Nick Mullins might be more aggressive or higher than Rotowire's projection of Nick Mullins. If you're higher on Nick Mullins than we are, especially on DraftKings, you can definitely get him at 5,400, but on FanDuel at 6,000, he's priced like he's not even playing on FanDuel. Like quarterbacks are just not normally $6,000 flat on FanDuel. Okay. Running back, Marlon Mack, 5,500. That, that, is a, that is a cash game slam dunk, right? I think so. I, I just think the touches could be easily pretty close to 20. Miami's bad against the run. I mentioned earlier, you know, over 1,200 yards allowed, almost five yards of carry. They give up long runs. They give up receiving yardage to running backs. I think people are going to be all over it. I think Mack and Breida at, at those prices are going to be owned a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think the way that the prices break down this week, I don't think it's going to be so ridiculously chalky that it is dumb to use them. Okay, so here's the one I don't get this week. I don't. I know that the Bucks are not good on defense. I feel like I'm not buying the Brita love that everybody else says. They say he's people all over him, and I'm going, yeah. I mean, I know he had a good game against the Giants, but he's fine. He's not. I, I don't. I don't know that I'm seeing this big, you know, killer week coming from him like everybody else's. I think it's because the the game is projected to be close, and it's among the high, highest scoring games on the board. Uh, the only concern I see is that he gets dinged up, leaves for a few plays here and there. It's probably a two to one split, though, favoring Brita over Morris. The carries plus all the passing down work. I think that's what gives him that that extra lift. If you said pick one between Brita and Mac, I'm picking Mac every single time. Yeah, me too. Um, other guys this week here, by the way. So Max 5500, and that's that's a mid price, right? That's a fair description. Yeah, that's mid range for. For DraftKings. Carson at 4,600 is not bad. I think I talked to you on Wednesday about Josh Adams. Josh Adams at 3,800. Like, I, I want to jump all over that one. Because I still think it's it's tournament, though. It's, it's still not really a cash game play for me because there's still a lot of uncertainty about the Eagles and how they want to handle that backfield. But they, I, Peterson, I, I felt like until they were getting crushed against the Saints, which was within 10 minutes, he was the guy. Like they were want they wanted to run. Basically, it was like, okay, we're going to start, and when we run the ball, it's going to be Josh Adams. I don't know. I, I really like it. I think I think if they beat the Giants, and I think this could be a close game. Like you know, because they're favored by six, doesn't mean I, I don't think they're going to. It's like Mac's situation where I think Mac is going to going to run a lot in a game where they control. I I love Josh Adams at this price, man. I really do. Um, Similar price, Peyton Barber. 3,900 against San Francisco. I like Peyton Barber. Implied 28 plus. Like, is this a good week for Barber on DraftKings? He doesn't catch the ball though, right? Catches it a little. A little. I don't think they really ask him to catch it much. Right. I mean, he's only had the one solid game. I get where you're going here. And I, I don't mind it. Cash, may, like, I think there's a floor here. I think he's going to get the ball 15, 15 to 18 times total. And under 4K, that's a lot of touches in an offense where they're supposed to score a lot. The one more guy, 
Um, Gus Edwards at 4,400. I mean, if that guy doesn't get 20, okay, get back to that game, by the way, before I continue, Alex Collins was a full participant in practice on Friday, which could change things a little. It makes Edwards at 4,400 maybe less of a, of a cash option because you're not sure what they're going to do. I still think he's going to get the ball a decent amount. I think out of Edwards and Kenyon Drake, Peyton Barber, and Josh Adams, Drake's 4,700, by the way, on DraftKings. If you said pick one of those four as a flex option, I think it's Barber for me. I, I feel most confident in his workload okay. of those four guys. All right. Um, receiver. So with this Eagles stuff going on with their secondary, I mean, yes, Odell Beckham is a strong, super strong play. So Sterling Shepard, isn't he? Yeah, Shepard is the the value play here with Evan Ingram kind of disappearing because they need tight ends to block. You look at Shepard as a under under 5,500 receiver that stands out a little bit with the relative workload expectations. I'm torn this week because I I, I want to use Beckham against the Eagles, and then I, I look and I'm like, you know what? The way everything's priced out with Beckham being 100 more than Brown – Evans being a thousand less than Brown, mm-hmm. Juju being cheaper exposure to Pittsburgh's offense than Antonio Brown by twelve hundred dollars. I keep thinking that for a tournament, Antonio Brown is going to be lower owned than he should be in a matchup where he should be just fine. Okay, that's actually a good point. At eighty seven, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Otherwise, tight ends. I mean, I'm back. Anybody like? I'm back to Brayton Boyle, a tight end. I don't know where else to. I mean, dude, any, anybody's value you like, other, really like other than those guys, and I know you don't like Boyles that much. Brayton Boyle sounds like a stupid store where you'd, you'd buy like pots or something. I was gonna say a liquor store, but yeah, that'd be that. That'd be that sounds better. <laughs> um, I think the Gronk price on DraftKings is really interesting. I I haven't decided if I can actually submit a lineup with him in it, but you just fifty one hundred on Gronk. I mean, that's Mm-hmm. That's value. That, that's a Black Friday price. For it's Rob saying Gronkowski. I dare you. Right. Go ahead. You don't Very believe in him tempting. anymore? Okay, let's see. You still really don't believe in him? You sure? The uh, the Genstead argument for paying up for Kittle when most people paying up might go after Ertz has definitely stuck with me for these last 48 hours now. I've been been really talking myself into paying up for Kittle. Uh, but if you can't do it because you're spending up elsewhere... I think Olsen at 4,400 on DraftKings is kind of the, the next tier guy that I've been gravitating toward. And then if I'm fading Cameron Brait and I want to stay cheap, it's CJ Uzoma at 3,300 going up against the Browns. You know, with AJ Green being very questionable, Tyler Boyd's very affordable this week, by the way, against Cleveland. Uh, I think Uzoma could be that second option in the passing game, especially in the red zone. And maybe, just maybe, the Bengals can move the ball a little better at home against Cleveland than they have these last couple of weeks. All right. All right, folks, we're going to wrap that there. If you have questions uh, as the weekend progresses, he is at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm at Hoppin 37 What else you got happening other than uh, beer shopping? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Christmas shopping for me. I go buy beer for myself <laughs> and, and people in my life. Uh, other stuff going on. Got the DraftKings DFS article up on the site already, so I don't have to worry about that. Mostly just getting ready for Saturday XM. What do you got going on this weekend? Um, hmm. Not a lot. It's quiet after today. I bought I bought a Roku stick that I'm gonna use. I'm gonna 
get hooked up to the TV and experience lots of streaming goodness. So that's it. Did you get any other Black Friday stuff? Actually, want to get I want to get the uh, the Amazon Ring doorbell. And there's a deal with the Amazon Ring. It's, it's a cheap Amazon Ring, and they're throwing in an Echo Dot for <laughs> one thirty nine. So I'm buying. I um, I'm not a fan of the the smart speakers as they're called. How many? I, I know I know I know we're being monitored all the time anyway. But I guess I'm I'm trying not to add more devices to continue monitoring me even more than I'm already being listened to and watched. How many Echo Dots do you think are in my house? Uh, you got four humans in your house and one dog. Yes. I bet you've got like two already. Oh no, I've got five. You have five. Yeah. Well, we use them as inner. You can use in addition to the other. And I keep saying, I don't use them enough. I use them as to play music and as an alarm or timer and alarm clocks. And that's pretty much it. Like they have so much more capability, but we use them as an intercom because I think I told you last year we bought a house that's a little, it's a nice size house and the kids kind of, you know, retreat they, into their, they hide. you wind up yelling upstairs, you know? So instead yeah, of yelling no, upstairs, I, yeah. I get on the speaker and I'm like, hey, come on down here. So yeah, they have them in their rooms and there's a lot of them. That's a, that's a good, that's a good use. It is. We decided to scream, we screamed too much. So we wound up switching to Echo Dots and became further slaves to the Amazon universe. Well, my intention, if I ever have them, I'm going to learn how to rewire them so that Amazon has no idea what I'm doing and saying. <laughs> I'm reverse hacking them. I'm, I'm going to find a way for it to transmit just some high-pitched squealing sound nice. all day long. So whoever's trying to listen in is just getting completely irritated. Yeah, I keep forgetting that I'm being listened to all the time. It's not. It's depressing to think about. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I try not to dwell on it, but that, that, that's one of those products that people are excited about it. My brother gave one to my parents for Christmas. And I really didn't want to ruin Christmas and be like, hey, beef, I think that's a stupid gift. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do that. I mean, like, if, like if, if you don't, some people don't have anything to hide. Like, I really don't have anything to hide. I just don't want to be listened to when I'm at home. That's all. Okay, that's fair. What did you say? What is your brother's name? Uh, we call him Beef. Uh-huh. His real name is Jordan. Okay, Beef. Yeah, is he a, is he a, like a, a thick guy? Is it that reason? He was a very pudgy toddler, <laughs> so it's a lifelong nickname. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like my my family history, like if you if you line if you took me, my dad, my grandpa, and, and when he was still alive, my great grandpa, and you kind of put us in a line. You know, I was a skinny little kid at the time. My dad was skinnier then than he is now, and my grandpa's kind of like got a bigger belly, and then my great grandpa was like all belly but skinny everywhere. You just see like the evolution of like the gut over the generations. My brother picked that up as like a three year old. <laughs> like as a three year old, he was shaped like an old man with just all gut. It didn't make any sense. Like children should not have beer guts, but my brother had one. We don't know how. I kind of he kind of grew out of that, like baby fat or whatever that is, but. He uh, he picked up that nickname because he had these like really chunky cheeks as a kid. <laughs> That's outstanding. And now it's a family name. Everybody calls him that. Yeah, I mean, we thought he would put it on his wedding invitations and stuff, but his uh, his wife kind of <laughs> I can calls. Imagine. She calls him Jordan. She does not. <laughs> she does not call him Beef. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> that's a good name. That may, That's a good laugh to, to wrap this up on a Friday. Okay, folks, listeners to the podcast can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Please leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always appreciate that. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Tim and I will be here Monday morning to review the Week 12, the, the Sunday game. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and good luck in Week 12.